it's this notion of thinking is for doing. If you think of yourself as a leader, you're more likely to be doing things to further your development as a leader. And all of this is really couched in the notion that, you know, who owns leader development? And my perspective is each individual leader owns their own development. This is the ERP Organizational Change Journal podcast, brought to you by Nestle & Associates, a Newport Beach, California-based ERP organizational change management firm serving the private equity industry. The ERP OCJ seeks to share expertise, insight, experience, and research, and to create effective conversation to help guide ERP organizational change to real, measurable, and verified success. And now, here's your ERP expert and host, the founder of Nestle & Associates, Dr. Jack Nestle. Hello everyone, Jack here. In this insightful episode, we dive into the critical aspects of becoming an effective ERP organizational change leader, aimed at bringing value to private equity firms and all stakeholders involved in ERP organizational change. We explore transformational leadership, leadership development, and leader identity. Our expert guest shares valuable strategies and insights to help you master the art of leadership in the context of ERP change management. By understanding the key traits, behaviors, and best practices, you can enhance your leadership skills, strengthen your leader identity, and ultimately drive your organization towards a successful ERP implementation. So in this episode, we will discuss, are you an effective ERP change leader? Traits, strategies, and insights. I'm delighted to welcome our guest, a renowned expert in the field of leadership and leadership development, professor of psychology and academic director of the Kravis Leadership Institute. Our guest boasts numerous awards and affiliations, including the prestigious Walter F. Umer Jr. Applied Research Award. With a strong focus on leader identity, our guest work has significantly contributed to the understanding of leadership effectiveness. In this conversation, we will be discussing two influential articles, Predicting Leadership Competency, Development, and Promotion Among High Potential Executives, The Role of Leader Identity, and I Am a Leader, Examining Leader Identity Development Over Time. Join me as we dive into the insights of these articles on strengthening leadership in the context of ERP organizational change. From Claremont, California, David, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Jack. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Really looking forward to this, David. I, I really do like your work, and uh, I cannot wait to share some of these insights with our listeners. But before we get started, can you share some more about yourself to our listeners? Sure. Happy to do so. Uh, I first have to clarify, I'm an academic, so uh, I already hear the radios clicking off right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, an ac I'm an academic, and uh, I'm, I'm interested in areas of leadership and, and leadership development primarily, but my background is in industrial organizational psychology, which is really the psychology uh, applied to work, working, and the workplace. So my background is relatively general. But over time, I've come to focus more specifically in areas of leadership and, and leadership development in particular. Well, hey, uh, David, we're really looking forward to sharing some of your insight. So we'll go ahead and get started. But before we do, listeners, all of us here at the ERP OCJ hope you find this podcast useful as we share lessons learned, discover best practices, and explore the human element components of ERP organizational change. Please stay with us till the end. David will give us his actionable golden nugget of advice based on today's conversation, and I will recap today's key discoveries and offer my suggestions on how to implement what we've learned. 
Because our conversations here on the ERP OCJ are built around the listen and learn approach, it's when you apply what you've learned that you begin to move the needle forward. So let's dive in. David, so here's my first question. Uh, can you give our listeners an overview of transformational leadership and how it might impact ERP success? So what is it exactly, and then what's its impact on large-scale organizational change? Sure. I mean, le- transformational leadership is a, a, a very influential leadership theory that's attracted a lot of research attention and a lot of empirical evidence in, in support of it. It can be traced back to actually around the mid-80s when in academic circles, leadership was not given much uh, credibility, believe it or not. It was thought by a lot of people in the field of management and sociology that individuals didn't really have much impact on the performance of organizations or the ability to change organizations. It was primarily driven by environmental factors. The author of, uh, or the godfather of transformational leadership is Bernard Bass, who went by Bernie. And he had conceptualized this issue of transformational leadership as actually building on something that was more everyday leadership that he called transactional leadership. And transactional leadership was comprised of uh, a couple of of factors, or the factors comprised transactional leadership, including contingent reward, where a leader makes clear what uh, followers can expect to receive when performance goals are achieved, and something called management by exception, in that the leader focuses attention on things that are exceptions, irregularities, deviations from standards, otherwise kind of take a hands-off approach. Now, the title of his influential book is Leadership and Performance Beyond Expectations. So his approach and his theory was that if you really want to have world-class leadership and world-class performance beyond expectations in organizations, you need to go beyond transactional leadership to what he termed transformational leadership. And there are four components in transformational leadership, often called the four I's of transformational leadership, which include idealized influence, So a leader instills pride in a follower for being associated with the leader. Inspirational motivation. My leader articulates a a compelling vision of the future. Intellectual stimulation. The leader seeks different perspectives when solving problems and individualized consideration. That is, a leader spends time teaching and coaching individual followers uh, at an individualized level. So in order to have world-class performance, According to Bass, leaders first need to build a foundation around transactional leadership in terms of contingent reward and management by exception in particular, to then develop these four I's of individualized consideration, intellectual stimulation, inspirational motivation, and idealized influence. So there it is in a nutshell, Jack. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Thank you, David. And you, in part, answered my second question that I wanted to ask you, and that was how do transformational leaders impact their team's performance and the success of ERP implementations? But I I think it's really primarily through, as you had mentioned, the four I's, right? The idealized influence, inspirational motivation, intellectual stimulation, and individual consideration and, and coaching. Would you add more to that or... Well, that covers a lot of ground. And what's typically the case is that individual leaders aren't necessarily good at all four of those things. So these are not necessarily leadership traits. They're really more 
behaviors or competencies that leaders can develop over time. And uh, fortunately, there are ways of assessing uh, an individual's level on each of these four eyes, which can then lead to kind of tailored interventions to help develop a leader to be well-rounded and have high levels of accomplishment in both the transformational side of things, but also the transactional side. Can't overlook that. I think a lot of researchers have done research that have only looked at transformational leadership style or transformational leadership behaviors and have, have ignored transactional factors. And that kind of biases things um, that yeah. skews the results in ways that, don't, that you know, overemphasize transformational leadership. Yeah. Yeah. When you say that from a, if, if we're just strictly talking about, you know, transformational leadership and transactional leadership, and, and of course, right now we, we haven't talked about the other forms of leadership, such as, you know, servant leadership and some of the others, right? Right. But within the context of, of just these two particular styles of leadership, I would certainly say that if you look at any organization and their executive team or their executive bench, let's call it, you certainly want, even for high performing organizations, you know, I, I would say transformational tendencies within the leadership team for sure. And in a majority of the leadership team having that transformational leadership mindset, but there's certainly room for the transactional leadership as well. So I don't think uh, anyone's implying that you have to have 100% transformational leadership style within your organization to be successful because there certainly is, I think, as you're saying, there's room and benefit to have that transactional leadership capabilities as well. So we're not saying it's it's one or the other. Right. I think that's yeah. uh, that's well put. Well, so let me ask you this. Is leadership, in fact, something that can be learned? Yes, no, and then why? <laughs> and then if it is something that you can learn, what would you say are some of the traits, let's say, that ERP organizational change leaders or, in fact, any organizational change leaders should cultivate to be more transformational? Yeah, I definitely believe leadership can be learned. Uh, another version of that that I hear all the time is, can leadership be taught? Yeah. And that's a little bit different and, and maybe a little bit more controversial in terms of whether you could teach leadership to any one person in a way that matters and makes them a better leader. But certainly leadership can be learned. And often it's learned through the lessons of, of experience of ongoing everyday experiences that if a leader has uh, the, the wherewithal to reflect on what kinds of experiences they've been involved with, especially those that are challenging and demanding ones, uh, that can lead to some lessons learned that can help develop them over the longer term for sure. So it, it, can leadership be learned? Yes, it can, but it doesn't just happen. One of the biggest challenges that leaders of, of all kinds have is that, you know, they're in the wash every day. They're under the pump with everything coming at them from all kinds of different directions. And the issues of reflection are easy to say, but not so easy to do if you're running around every day doing all the various things that leaders are doing in terms of trying to uh, lead change, uh, develop others as well as perform at the highest levels possible. Great insight. Great points. And so, David, I, the, the first couple of questions here, I just wanted to focus on sharing with our listeners the idea of, you know, what is transformational leadership? And then, you know, how can you embrace transformational leadership for successful change? And now I'd like to slightly switch gears and maybe focus on this idea of identity development. So in other words, how can you cultivate effective ERP change leaders through identity development? So my next question then is, 
how can organizations foster the development of effective organizational change leaders? What does that look like? Yeah, that's. Uh, I think it could look like a lot of different things, actually. Yeah. Um, but I think the ones that are more effective are the ones that happen uh, in zito. They happen in the grip. They happen uh, along everyday experiences, not sending people off to programs per se. Uh, it's really using ongoing work to help them develop the kinds of skills needed to be more effective kinds of leaders. So identity is important in this regard. And it's really a resource allocation issue. Mm. If you think about yourself as a leader, you're going to look for opportunities to learn and practice your leadership more often on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, uh, whenever those opportunities, those leadership moments arise. If you don't think of yourself as a leader, then those opportunities are going to be wasted. The things that happen to you, which could be pivotal in your development as a leader, won't be internalized. So it's this notion of thinking is for doing. If you think of yourself as a leader, you're more likely to be doing things to further your development as a leader. And all of this is really couched in the notion that, you know, who owns leader development? And my perspective is each individual leader owns their own development. Mm. Such an interesting, uh, I'm going to borrow that quote, uh, leadership development is a resource allocation issue. Absolutely. Uh, maybe yeah. I paraphrased you there a little bit. but no, that, no. It, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the resources, I mean, what's the, you know, our most precious resource is our time and our attention. Mm -hmm. And where do we direct these things? Mm -hmm. So if we, if we think of ourselves as leaders, we're going to at least have part of our identity as a leader. I'm not saying the complete identity of any individual needs to be that of a leader. But we know identities are multifaceted, multidimensional. If you have room in that space to think of yourself as a leader, you're going to be allocating some of those resources around time and attention to better developing yourself to be a more effective leader. Mm. So it, it really comes down to, uh, I, I just, what's the word I was thinking? It's intent. It's an intentful mindset to be a leader. It's a deliberate mindset of leadership. Uh, yeah, I like yeah. that. I think it's very yeah. much around intention and yeah. this notion of you know, if you're going if you're going to develop as a leader, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, you've got to put in the hard yards. You've got to put in the practice. Uh, you've got to put in the in the time to learn in order to be a more effective leader of of any stripe. Yeah. So just to dig a little bit deeper on that, David. Obviously, in your research, you emphasize the importance of leader identity. And so, how does one's identity as a leader impact their performance and effectiveness? Is it really as simple as identifying, you know, Jack is just saying, hey, Jack, you're a leader. So, therefore, be mindful of that in terms of your resource allocation with, as you said, David, your time and effort. I mean, is it as simple as that? Is just being deliberate? Is, is that what it means? Is that how your identity helps you become a better leader in terms of performance and effectiveness? Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt there, no. Jack, but I think you put your, you know, you put your finger on a on a very important question and one that we don't fully have answers to. Which is it? Is it just thinking of yourself as a leader? And it's probably not that simple. Uh, one of the things that has driven my research over the years is looking at trajectories of development. That is, rather than just looking at pre-post kinds of, uh, of things, you know, pre some intervention, post uh, intervention, and, and how either identity or effectiveness have changed, uh, trajectory research is, is looking at longitudinal changes over time. And one of the areas that we focused on is 
how does effectiveness as a leader, as rated by other people, change as a function of seeing yourself as a leader? And mm. we've noted that there the two two important things. One is this notion of effectiveness and development tend to co-vary. That is, as people develop effectiveness as a leader, they also develop identities as a leader. But the other mm. important thing that we've taken away from uh, from some of the research studies we've done is that it's not a linear function. It's much more of a a J shaped function where there are initial declines in both effectiveness and identity strength that over time start to accelerate in a positive fashion. So initially, people are challenged, both in terms of their effectiveness as well as their identity, as they engage in leader development kinds of interventions or leader development kinds of practices. So one implication is taking a slice of that trajectory too early may show that actually leaders are declining in their effectiveness and their identity. Uh, but actually, if you extend the research over longer periods of time, you see something that's much more positive and also uh, linear mm -hmm. in terms of development and identity. Hmm. That's a very fascinating idea there and this idea of trajectory. I'm just trying to uh, think through that response here, but th this idea of trajectory research and leadership as seen by other people, which David, I, I assume that that's through some sort of survey. Well, yeah, the research that, that I've been involved with in terms of trajectory analysis have, I mean, one of the advantages of it is that you have different sources rating different things. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it is based on primarily on survey ratings. But for example, one of the papers that you had mentioned looked at the ratings of leadership effectiveness on different competencies as rated by their leadership coach in a five month intervention. Whereas identity is always going to be self rated. I mean, I can't tell you what your identity is as a leader, you, nor can you tell me what yeah. my identity is as a leader. It's really to what extent I believe I endorse or internalize a leader identity and what is the strength of that identity. Yeah. So really, it's a perpetual relationship and maybe proportional, right? That it, at least if I identify it as a leader and if I have the desire to be a leader, that's going to mean that I'm going to allocate my time, allocate my resources and be deliberate and being intentional about being a good leader. I'm going to want to learn how to be a, a good leader study it, understand it, look at common denominators amongst good leaders. But in turn, that's going to most likely make you become more and more of an effective leader. And then the more effective you are, the more effectiveness you have as a leader, the more your identity as a leader grows. And I would imagine that's because you have the more experience and more confidence and that, that snowball just keeps growing and growing. Yeah, it is a it is definitely a reciprocal relationship. And one of the takeaways from that is that more effective leaders in terms of being rated by other people in terms of whatever skills or competencies are at the focus co-vary with this identity strength issue. So people who have lower identity strength tend to be rated lower in terms of their effectiveness as a leader mm -hmm. on various competencies and vice mm -hmm. versa. Those that are higher on identity tend to be seen by others as stronger in terms of their leadership competence. Mm -hmm. So, David, what would you say are some strategies or best practices, let's say, for individuals looking to strengthen their leadership skills and identity 
and, and maybe particularly in the context of ERP implementations, what are some of the tactical advice maybe that you can offer? Obviously, it's about it's your resource allocation and taking the time and effort. But what else can you offer in terms of just tactically becoming a, a better leader? Yeah, I think when we talk about leadership development, it's really about using experience to develop. But all experiences aren't equally developmental. So how do you identify those those experiences or, or those uh, challenges in everyday work life that can help spark your development as a leader? One way to do that is to, is to look at three components of, a, of an experience. So to what extent does an experience provide assessment, challenge, and support? Now, the assessment piece doesn't have to be a formalized assessment that people do in terms of like a self-assessment or some sort of self-ratings. It's do you get feedback from the experience about how you're doing? Also, the second piece is, you know, how challenging is this experience? Nobody develops when they're comfortable. And, and that makes it difficult for some people to own their development because they're looking to be comfortable rather than uncomfortable. And the uncomfortable comes with taking on challenges that have some risk that you may not succeed in them. And then the last one is support. Uh, research has been very clear that we can take on significantly more challenge if we have support, in terms, especially in terms of feedback from others about how we're doing and how we're progressing. So if we look at this, this notion of you know, assessment, challenge, and support in the environment, those are the kinds of experiences that are going to have more developmental punch. And those are the ones you want to either try to identify or actually organize in terms of promoting your own development as a leader. Interesting. So what I'm hearing here, David, I, I, I made some notes here, but basically four or five different things, right? One is just self-reflection and assessment. I mean, taking the time to understand experiences and how you can grow and mature from that experience as a leader. One is 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 put you in position and take challenges to become a new leader, you know, accept those challenges and those experiences uh, and then accept feedback, ask for feedback on how you're doing. And then, of course, mentorship, you know, coaching. And then the one thing <laughs> that I would add is understanding what academia has to say about research in this area, right? Because isn't it true, David, that you know, Jack Nessel wants to be a good leader, and I'm, I'm going to take the resources to do that. I'm going to take my time and effort, and I can do these things. I can self-reflect. I can be willing to jump in and take on new challenges. I can be willing to take some feedback. But isn't it rather simple ideas of just understanding what we talked about to kick off this conversation, and that is the idea between transactional and transformational leadership? What do they look like? What are the different types of leader attributes and abilities and styles and so forth? So isn't that an important part of that, you know, becoming a better leader as well? Yeah, I think that is definitely an important part of becoming a better leader is under, you know, understanding what we know from science. I mean, leadership is an art, but it's also a science. Yeah. And we have more than 100 years of, of evidence-based research behind leadership. Not that we know everything, far from it, but we do know some things. And so, you know, as, a, as an evidence-based manager or as an evidence-based leader, knowing what the science around leadership and leadership development says will make you uh, a better performer in, the, in, in a leadership domain. But it's also the case that organizations of all kinds tend to have their own unique view 
in terms of what's important yeah. as a leader. And that boils down to what is a leadership competency model in a particular organization? Yeah. What is it that the organization values and proposes as being the core components of what it takes to be an effective leader? So mm-hmm. mapping on kind of the local competency model to more general kinds of leadership skills, behaviors, and competencies can help uh, accelerate that development as a leader. Yeah. So in other words, David, leadership is also contextual. Very much, very much contextual. And I think, you know, what it, what it takes to be effective in in one particular domain, let's just say private equity could be very different than what it takes to be uh, successful as a leader in another domain. And let's just take, you know, higher education as an example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Higher education versus military versus, you know, private corporation. Right. Uh, they could have uh, require very different uh, leadership styles. You know, we, we've seen it uh, time and time again where various executives in one portfolio company, which a, a portfolio company is, is what you call a company that's owned by a private equity firm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, executive may be quite successful at one portfolio company and then so therefore assume that the success is going to follow to another portfolio company. Uh, that's not always the case. Um, and, and it's very, very much so contextual. It very much is. And we can also add to that an, a cultural dimension. You know, yeah. in, a, in a global environment, we often have people who are moving in, in an organization that is based in, in multiple cultures, moving from one culture to another. And it's frustrating for them to realize that what has made them successful, for example, in North America is not making them successful in South America. And the leader needs to be attentive to cultural cues and understand that their leadership approach probably has to vary depending on the cultural context. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, leadership is a topic that, you know, uh, no doubt you could talk about and we could talk about for hours. But, you know, the one thing that's interesting to me, David, is I think sometimes leadership gets much too simplified. You look at various articles and, uh, you know, blog posts and so forth where, you know, hey, the key to leadership and they list off a bullet point or two and then they build their case for why these, whether it's a style or or an attribute or, you know, whatever, maybe a skill set but it's the key to successful leadership and it's just drastically oversimplified. And, you know, I do think, again, the the world's just too complex, you know, from a cultural perspective within an organization, the contextual environment, the, the leadership, you know, people are all very different. And so therefore leadership and what's effective within a given context, it's not always so obvious or apparent as to what makes a good leader. Um, You know, so it's just always very interesting to me when you see these, I, I think quite simplified keys to successful leadership. I just think there's so much there. Yeah. And it's also the case, especially in the leadership development space. And this is, this is something that motivated me to get involved as a, as a researcher to try to better understand what are some of the fundamental tenets of, of leadership development. Um, you know, in the academic circles, we have just scores and scores of different leadership theories, and mm-hmm. none of them are completely right. None of them are completely wrong. Uh, and we could debate which ones are the, the better ones or, the, or which ones are, are less better. Yeah, <laughs> and you you right. noted transformational leadership, and that certainly has a lot of a lot of evidence behind it, but it's not the the only theory out there that has some viability. But where it gets really tricky, it's not just identifying what's the right theory or the best theory of leadership. It's how do you develop it? 
And yeah. I think there was a conventional thinking among researchers and academics was that if we just found the right leadership theory, then all we needed to do was train it. And I don't think that's the case at all, uh, because there's a whole field of human development that's all about trying to understand how people develop across the lifespan. And within that is also, you know, people who focus on adult development. What are the kinds of things that help adults develop throughout the lifespan, even into old age? So, you know, what had happened is that there was a real divergence in the field where academics were focusing on fighting about what's the right theory of leadership. And people in the practice side kind of took over the space around leadership development. And quite frankly, a lot of bad practices developed as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what some have called leadertainment. Mm-hmm. That is, you're just having yeah. you're having fun, you're playing games, and yeah. this is supposed to develop you as a leader. But we know from adult development that the only way that people develop as adults is if they take on if they continue to take on challenges that stretch them and move them into places that are uncomfortable rather than comfortable. So how can that help us understand leadership development? Well, that's been part of my mission as a researcher to try to uh, study leadership development processes and come away with some understandings from an evidence-based perspective. Yeah, fascinating topic. It's not just about understanding leadership. It's about leadership development and strengthening leadership. So David, let's talk about that a little bit. So the the first couple of questions here, you know, we talked about transformational styles and talked about transformational leadership, a little bit about transactional leadership. And then you shared with our listeners some ideas around identity development and the role of identity and leadership. So now just to to slightly change the direction of the, the conversation here a little bit, I'd like to talk about applying research insights to strengthening or developing leadership. And, and I know in your article uh, titled Predicting Leadership Competency Development and Promotion Among High Potential Executives, the Role of Leader Identity. But in that article, you discuss the importance of leader identity. Can you elaborate on the key findings of that particular paper? And I think you shared a little bit of that just throughout the conversation so far. But can you just hit on some of the highlights and key findings of that particular research paper? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there are two core takeaways from that paper. Uh, The first was a focus on different competencies. And we we mentioned and talked about briefly competency models and uh, Mm -hmm. organization and leadership competencies. But there's an implicit assumption that these competencies all develop in the same way at the same time. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. And that's where trajectory kinds of analyses and studies can help us understand what kinds of competencies develop more quickly, which ones less quickly, and what are the implications then for leadership development in organizations. The second takeaway is this notion of identity among high potential leaders. Uh, A lot of the early research that I was involved with in terms of understanding uh, leader identity was done with students. And the students obviously have a lot more variability in terms of how they think of themselves as a leader than you would think high potential, more senior executives do. So it was this notion is like, well, maybe people who are high potential executives or high potential leaders, uh, identity is already fixed. Their leader identity is already high. And trying to develop identity among that population doesn't make a lot of sense. 
Well, in our research, what we found was that, yeah, there was restriction of range in terms of leaders' identification or identity as their leaders, but we still found similar effects as we found with undergraduates, but not on every competency. So why is that the case? Well, that just raises more questions. And you know, as a researcher, what we say when we do research, we don't necessarily find a solution. We find that we need more research. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in this particular case, we found that identity among high potential executives in a high potential leader development program was associated with more uh, accelerated development of certain competencies, but not all the competencies. And what we also found taking identity out of the mix is that competencies developed at different rates. Some of them develop more quickly across this five-month program as indicated by the slopes of those trajectories, and others develop less quickly. So mm. it's this notion that if you're designing leadership development interventions, you need to think more carefully about what is it that you want to develop and what the appropriate timescale might be for that. Interesting. And, and David, your trajectory research hasn't shown any correlation between leadership style and leadership development, has it? By leadership style, you mean like transformational leadership? Yeah. Or yeah. Is there anything like that come out of any of your research? I, I don't think that's what you're saying, but I was just curious. No, but I, I think what we're looking at really is, and it is related to style indirectly, but it's not necessarily related to style as uh, promoted in something like transformational leadership or transactional leadership. Yeah. It's really about the competencies that a particular organization or particular context find to be most valuable for their leaders. And so mm -hmm. the paper that we were talking about was conducted in a high potential leader development program and a large conglomerate in Australia. Mm -hmm. So they had their own leadership competency model, which was a lot more extensive than the eight competencies we studied in this particular research, which as an aside can be an issue in and of itself. There are too many yeah. competencies in the model that people kind of get lost in the mix of yeah. you know, what it takes to be an effective leader. But it's really back to this notion of being localized. What does leadership mean? Well, it tends to be tends to be localized, situationalized in a particular organizational context. And that's usually codified in whatever leadership competency model they've developed. So David, how how do the findings then suggest how organizations can better identify and develop high potential leaders for managing organizational change? Well, I think, you know, this, this notion of identity is important as a foundational characteristic of someone who is open to development and change. Uh, in, in psychology, we talk about people who have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. You know, a growth mindset is one where people can invest in developing themselves. They believe that they can change over time. They feel that they can get better in whatever domain. We'll, we'll talk about the domain of leader. We'll focus on the domain of leadership. So a growth mindset is really this notion that uh, I'm, I'm someone who can change and I am an agent of my own change, whereas others have more of a fixed mindset, which is, well, you know, I've got these traits, and these traits were kind of what I was born with, and I can't really change them, so I either got it or I don't got it. Yeah. And I think 
the leaders who are, uh, I think, are, will be the more high potential leaders of the future are the ones with this growth mindset that they can continue to change and develop over time, regardless how far or how high they go in any given organizational context. Yeah. I mean, so really the growth mindset goes back to what we talked about previously, where it's a deliberate, it's a deliberate one. That growth mindset is a deliberate one that values self-reflection and assessment, taking on challenges, feedback on how you are doing, mentorship, and just understanding and, and reading and doing that research and understanding kind of what's out there in terms of the different leadership styles and what leadership looks like and what leadership doesn't look like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, absolutely. I mean, it's this notion that leadership is something that can be developed. Yeah. And believe it or not, Jack, there are a lot of people out there and a lot of executives and even senior executives who don't believe that. They believe you either got it or you don't got it. Yeah. And their approach is let's identify those who got it. And they haven't done a very good job at that. Yeah, exactly. It, it goes way beyond some charisma, right? Being a good leader <laughs> goes way beyond charisma. There you go. Well, it's back to this notion that people try to simplify things into, yeah. you know, one one assessment or, or one particular construct, and that's the magic bullet around leadership. But leadership is is a much more complex construct than than that. Yeah, absolutely. So, David, thank you for your time. This this has been a fun conversation, and there's so much to unpack, as you know, when you start talking about leadership and leadership development and its impact on positive organizational change. But I, I do want to just ask you a couple more questions regarding the other article that I mentioned in the intro, and that is one called, I am a leader, examining leader identity development over time. And in that article, you explore how leader identity evolves. And we touched on that a little bit, but can you share with our listeners, what are the main takeaways from that research, from that paper specifically? This is trying, yeah, thank you, uh, Jack. This one is a, is a lot more technical and it's using something called latent change score analysis to try to understand cause and effect. You know, what, what the skills that cause changes in identities or is it the changes in identity that causes the changes in skills? Yeah. And it's, again, it's trajectory analysis. And in this case, we were looking at students. In this case, these were master students who were uh, involved in a professional uh, education course around leadership development. And we measured their change. And this was all self-rated data. But we measured their identity and measured their self-perception on leadership skills related to consideration or how well that they built relationships with other people and what would be more task-related kinds of initiating structure, classic dimensions in the leadership field. And we measured these seven times over the course of a seven-week leadership module. And, and what we found was that changes in skills tended to be associated with changes in identity, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So it's really trying to unpack the holy grail of science of any sort, which is cause and effect. Mm -hmm. So which happens first, identity or skills when it comes to development? There's some data from this one sample to suggest that it's skills change and skills development that is driving identity development over time. Got it. Yeah. And David, let me ask you, can't self-perception responses be heavily self-biased? They can, but the bias tends to 
uh, wash out over time if you're using longitudinal kinds of analyses. Yeah. You would think that a bias would be that everybody rated themselves as really great in terms of their skills, but that's not what we found. Right? We find that some people rate themselves higher, some people rate themselves lower. How accurate they are is another matter that can be debated. Yeah. But if it was just a universal bias, we would find no results yeah, because everybody right. would rate themselves high. And over time, we just have a flat trajectory. Yeah. But again, that's not what we found. We found that J function, again, where people initially were very challenged in this developmental intervention and both identity and their, and their self-rated skills went down, followed by an uptick in a positive and linear trajectory over time in yeah. the later, uh, later waves of, of measurement. Yeah. Yep. Trajectory research, or as you'd mentioned, latent score or latent change score analysis. But what a very interesting paper. And I thought it was very, very cool. And in fact, uh, for our listeners, for both of these articles that we've discussed in this conversation today, we'll be sure to include in our show notes. And uh, I highly recommend that you take a look at this. This this is pretty good stuff here. But David, based on that research article, what would you say are some of the practical steps or interventions that organizations can implement to help their leaders develop a stronger and more effective leader identity then based on what you learned from this paper specifically? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a good question that I don't have a ready answer for. But I think one of the things that organizations do oftentimes that suppresses people in terms of internalizing a leader identity is to say that, you know, unless you have a formal leadership position, unless you've been anointed as a high potential leader, you, you shouldn't have a leader identity. But I think we need more people who've internalized a leader identity as a way of bringing about the kinds of changes that we need in organizations. It's not that, you know, everybody's a leader and nobody's a follower. Yeah. What we know is that we do both. Everyone does both. Some may lead more than follow, some follow more than lead, but it's a dynamic process, not a position. So that's not necessarily something that came from this particular study. Because the goals of that study were really about trying to disentangle causal relationships over time between skills and identity. But I think in that intervention, there was the space that everybody was expected to think of themselves as a leader. From my experience in, in some organizations, that's not the case. There's actual there's an actual normative base that dissuade certain people from thinking of themselves as a leader. And I think that's a massive waste of potential that we can't afford to continue as we move into even more complex times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so David, I think, you know, what I've heard consistently throughout our conversation today is that leadership can be learned, right? It can even be taught. And as you said, you can have some conversations around that idea, but then it also requires the intentful mindset for self-starters. You got to have this intent. You got to have this mindset, this deliberate idea that, yes, I want to develop. I want to be a good leader, you know, and, and just to go back to these points that you mentioned previously, I would actually say, and, and tell me if you agree that whether good leaders realize it or not, this probably is a, a common denominator for leaders, right? Even leaders that really may not think they're paying attention to what academia says about research in the area and how to improve and, and that sort of thing. But the idea of self-reflection and assessment 
maybe this isn't accurate, but I, I would guess that the idea of self-reflection and assessment, taking on challenges, being willing to take on feedback on how you're doing mentorship, and then really understanding what good leadership, what it looks like or doesn't look like rather. Would you say overall that good leaders, if you were to take all the good leaders and, and somehow just try to distill that down into some common denominators, wouldn't a majority of them kind of check the boxes for those five points? You know, I would I would like to think so, but there's still a mindset among a lot of leaders that they need to go away from their work in order to develop. Hmm. You know, taking people away from, from their work in order to develop through some retreat, through some, you know, multi-day kinds of developmental interventions, uh, some other kinds of skills building that takes place outside of the job. But we know that across a lot of domains, it takes many, many years, many, many hours of deliberate practice in order to develop anything. And the conventional wisdom was 10 years, 10,000 hours, but there's a lot of individual differences around that. But, you know, this notion of becoming an expert in any discipline, whether it's chess, whether it's gaming, whether it's music, whether it's sport, it takes a lot of dedicated practice over a long period of time. And leaders who only look to develop in offsite kinds of interventions and workshops are never going to get that kind of practice time. They've got to use the most valuable resources, which is their time on the job and their uh, attentional resources to understand the kinds of challenges that they are in the midst of and learn from them as they're happening. Yeah. And, you know, I, I must say that I've known some pretty good leaders. And when you think back, uh, some of them, I would say out of those four or five items that I'd mentioned, you know, they, they all like to take on a challenge, I would say, for the most part. And I would say that's brute force experience when it comes <laughs> to leadership, but maybe not so good on feedback on how they're doing, or maybe not so much in the self-reflection department. Uh, and certainly a lot of them would have no idea the difference between, you know, transformation and transactional, you know, leadership theories and so forth or, or what academia may have to say about leadership. Yeah, fascinating topic to be sure. Well, I think it goes to the point, I think, that anyone can become a better leader if they're willing to put in the time and the attention to, you know, first understand where they're not leading as well as they could be. Yeah. And then how do you practice things that help enhance that development of, of those competencies over time? So, it, it, you know, it's really this notion of ongoing assessment, challenge and support that develops leaders on an ongoing, continuous, everyday kind of basis. Yeah, absolutely. All right, David, one last question for you. And as all of our guests know, this is really one of my favorites because I'm going to ask you to distill down your incredible insight, your experience, your work into one golden nugget for our listeners. So based on you know what we've discussed today, what would be your golden nugget of advice for our listeners? Uh, what would you like to leave us with in terms of leadership and leadership development? That's a pretty big one, Jack. <laughs> uh, um, I would say we, we've touched on this, if not directly uh, elaborated, and that is everybody has leadership potential. I'm very, I'm getting very jaded about the whole high potential approach to leadership development that's yeah. taking place in many organizations. Everybody has leadership potential. And the thing about leadership and leadership potential that makes it so powerful is that leadership is really about change. 
management is more about working within the status quo. Yeah. If we have people who believe that they can be better leaders, whether regardless of the position that they have or the level, they can help change organizations for the better and change the world for the better. So look for the potential in everyone as a leader and, and not just think that it's a, a kind of a rarefied commodity that only a few anointed individuals can have. Yeah. Great insight, David. Thank you. My pleasure. As we wrap up today's insightful discussion, I'd like to recap the key discoveries we made on our journey to becoming an effective ERP organizational change leader. We explored the importance of transformational leadership and its impact on successful ERP implementations. We also dived into the significance of leader identity and its development over time, offering practical steps for organizations and individuals to strengthen their leadership skills and identity in the context of ERP organizational change. And so, David, thank you again for your time today. We really appreciate it. I, I really appreciate your work. I really do. Uh, just fascinating papers. And again, I think that you started the conversation off by stating that you're in academia. Um, I'll end by saying we're practitioners here at Nestle & Associates, and we greatly value and rely heavily on what academia has to share with us. And, you know, as you had mentioned, I think the thing here is, you know, there are different theories and there's pros and cons and they can be debated and discussed and that's fine. But I think that's where it starts. It's that mindset that you want to learn and, and apply what you learn. And I think at the end of the day, that's how we move the needle. So thank you. It's been a great conversation. And before we let you go, David, can you share with our listeners where they may be able to get a hold of you or find some of your work? Uh, of course, we'll put these articles in our in our show notes, but can you share with our listeners how they may be able to reach out to you if they want to? Sure. One way to reach out to me uh, is through email. And my email is very simple. It's dday, my first initial, last name, at cmc for Claremont McKenna College dot edu. And if you go to the uh, use your favorite search engine and search for the Kravis Leadership Institute, you'll find me there as the academic director. Fantastic. David, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. Be well and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you, Jack. You bet. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the ERP OCJ podcast. This podcast is intended as a forum to study, share, and discuss ERP organizational change successes and challenges. We discuss the people, process, and technological components of ERP organizational change by drawing on knowledge from extensive research, collaborative learning, and practitioner expertise and experience. We are incredibly grateful to have friends, colleagues, and mentors join us in our podcast as we seek to promote, connect, and foster relationships in the ERP organizational change community and contribute to its success by bringing research and practice closer together. We want to make sure this is the most useful and insightful ERP podcast you listen to, and we'd love your help in doing so by leaving us feedback and a review. A great place to do so is at Apple Podcasts. Just click on the Listen in Apple Podcasts link, then click Ratings and Reviews, and let us know your thoughts. You can get more info about the show, including show notes and episode highlights for this and all of our episodes by visiting nestleandassociates.com and clicking the Podcast option. 
please join us again next week as we discuss the latest ERP organizational change research, practice, and stories. And don't forget to follow us on social media, hashtag the ERPOCJ. Thanks again for listening. Have a fantastic week.